Hello and welcome to the Daily Booktopian for Thursday, April 23. I'm Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia, and this is a podcast about reading in the time of isolation and social distancing. Joining me today are Senior Content Producer and Editor of the Booktopian, Olivia Frico. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Mark. And we're also joined by Booktopia's Social Media Specialist, Nick Vasiliev. Hello, Nick. Hey, Mark. All right, let's get into it. Uh, who wants to go first? Me. Is that okay, Mark? Yeah, I'm <laughs> I, I'm leaving space for you to for you to jump in. <laughs> Bent. All right. Um, so mine's technically cheating a little because I haven't started it yet, but I'm intending to start it this week because I have to read it for uni. Um, Nick, I think you're really going to like this one. I'm reading The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, by Lawrence ah. Stern. you've been pretty vocal about how much this is one of your favorite books um i'm studying 18th century literature at uni at the moment um and we're kind of looking at the development of the novel and this one this 700 page behemoth is one that we have to read and it's about you know i don't even know (laughs) um (laughs) just a guy called tristram shandy walking around and having fun times with his uncle Toby and a host of other characters, <laughs> including, according to the back of this book, Dr. Slop, Corporal Trim, and the Parson Yorick. So you know yeah. what? This sounds like fun. I am really keen to get into this. Yeah. I feel like, look, I, I kind of feel like if I, considering you haven't started reading it, um, I feel bad if I mention anything that'll, like, ruin the experience for you. It's just... To, just, to try and describe this book is incredibly difficult because once you kind of get the concept of how it works, it's just incredibly entertaining and it's best to experience it as you're reading it. I will also um, – there are a lot of fantastic retellings of this book. Um, yeah. My personal favourite is a movie that Michael Winterbottom did with uh, – uh, God, the, the name of the two comedians, uh, Steve Coogan and... Um, Rob, the, uh, was it Rob Brydon? Yes, Rob Brydon, yeah. uh, called The Cock and Bull Story, which nails the actual premise, like the actual, the whole nature of how the book works superbly. It's just the the meandering nature of it, really, It's which I just I think is fantastic. But the actual book itself is just an absolute hoot of complete and utter meandering but unbelievably entertaining verbosity if that's a word being just verbosity how verbose- is a word. it's a great word yes just I how have to google that. yeah just how verbose this book is in terms of its story and it's the the, the narrator it's and his elevation and his self-importance and his and his unbelievable ego in telling his <laughs> his own story is just you can't help but laugh at how stupid it is, but also the nature of the character, but just how the fact that this book exists and it's just amazing. Just, just I'm so excited to get into it now. You've sold this to me so well. Yeah. Um, um, so, yes, do that. And also, if you have the time, if, if the book, it can because it can be a bit dense, also looking at a cock and bull story is incredibly fun. So but I'm so glad that you're reading it now. <laughs> You've done a better job of selling it to the listeners than I have, so thank you, Nick, for doing my job for me today. I was going to say, I hope that Liv has um, as strong opinions about your book as you do about hers, Nick. 
<laughs> oh, I can always be relied on to have strong opinions, Mark. Don't be fresh. <laughs> That's very accurate. So, so Nick, what have you brought? Well, I've also been delving into a classic that I actually haven't uh, watched for a while. Um, guys, what? I have a confession to make. I've been feeling, you know, a little bit, you know, uh, dystopian. Been feeling a little bit uh, down, going heading down that kind of dystopian path analysis of the whole nature of human beings as they are. And over the weekend, I um. I watched Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, and it actually had occurred to me that I'd never actually read the book that it's based off. Um, so I'm actually oh, delving into this week uh, Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which... Amazing book. Yeah. I have strong opinions on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's... I do not. All, I've seen, all I know is that I had to watch Blade Runner for Year 12 English, and I didn't enjoy it at the time, but I've enjoyed it since. Yes. So I actually have no strong opinions about this book, so Mark, take it away. <laughs> well, it's just, it's such a, the thing that's kind of, I'm only about a, a quarter of the way into it, but it's just, a, you know, like I, the, the whole world, I mean, you, you it, I kind of come at it from the angle of having watched Blade Runner first, and I know that there's a lot of differences between the interpretation of Blade Runner compared to uh, this book itself, he, uh, like Philip K. Dick's book, and it's just... It's a very, it's a much colder book. I think Deckard as a character is a lot more, you know, he's a much more complex and cold character in the book, I, I get, than than how Harrison Ford is. Maybe it's just the nature of, you know, the fact that I assume Deckard, I'm seeing Deckard and I'm seeing Harrison Ford playing Deckard. I think it's, it's I feel like my judgment is very uh, different com- uh, uh, com- compared to what people's first impressions of having read the book first get. But Mark, I... I anticipate you have probably got a very different reaction to this than the one I'm experiencing at the moment. Well, look, I, I adore that novel. Um, and I think you set yourself up for failure. I think if you go into it trying to picture Harrison Ford and the world that Ridley Scott created, um, that very kind of distinct Blade Runner aesthetic, uh, I think there's a lot of layers of this novel that didn't make it to the screen. Um, and it's a very different experience. Like there's a whole religious aspect to the society that they live in in the in the the book, which just never made it onto the screen, and which kind of forms a really key part of the of the story. Um, and it's been a while since I've read it, like probably more than ten years now. But um, if memory serves correctly, kind of the core mystery that you're left with at the end of Blade Runner is actually kind of much more clearly set out uh, in the book. Uh, do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it, it's a very different experience and a very different kind of story almost. Uh, but I, 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 I loved it and I love Philip K. Dick. Uh, I, I just, I do anticipate that as I actually get into the book a little bit more, because I'm only in the very, uh, like the early stages of it right now, I anticipate I will probably start to get a sense of, of the separation of, of the world of, of, uh, of Blade Runner from the world of that Philip K. Dick actually envisioned within this book. So I do see. Yeah. And, just, I mean, the, the thing with the thing with Blade Runner as as a movie is that it's actually a wonderful interpretation of the book, uh, rather than being a, a you know super faithful adaptation. It's actually been interpreted into something else, which kind of attempts to capture the tone and the feel that the book leaves you with, but in kind of a different a different package. And I think it does that very successfully. 
Mm, yeah, well, look, it's it's a fascinating read so far, and it, and it, I, to my shame, it's also kind of one of my first proper experiences of of Philip K. Dick. Um, you know, we have we kind of have touched on it a little bit, but you know, we were talking about it before we started recording that you know we've done what we, that we you know we we're, for, we're kind of forced to watch the you know Blade Runner and analyze it in school, but you know we don't really get an appreciation for it. You know, I feel like I didn't really get an appreciation for it then, and now I kind of do a bit more. Um, so I'm more able to kind of see what the what the book is allegorically about than uh, than I would have when I was younger. So I'm I'm kind of really curious to see how how my perceptions on the book change as we go. Yeah, and I think like if if you enjoy this book, then you really should delve kind of a bit deeper into Philip K. Dick's. Um, back catalogue because he wrote some incredible novels some really crazy stories and then you know when you read up on what his life was actually like and kind of the mental illness that he suffered and the drugs that he was doing to kind of cope with it and the paranoia that he suffered it's uh it's really an incredible body of work from a very very unique mind um and yeah he's he's written some very 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 amazing powerful stories like um, man in the high castle is another one that's very mm. very much worth checking out and i think that's a series uh on a streaming platform at the moment as well we'll, we'll go unnamed mm. <laughs> cool uh so we always like to talk about things that are bringing us joy in isolation as well uh what's brought you guys joy this week Libby first <laughs> okay so I don't know if you can tell, but I'm secretly a total grandma. Not even secretly, I'm just openly a total grandma. Um, and I've taken up crocheting again, um, which is something that I used to do a lot until all my friends and family found out, oh, you crochet, can you make me this thing? And so the reason that I learned how to do it is because I wanted to make you know, a throw rug for my bed. This winter, I'm actually going to do it, I swear. Um, so I've picked it up again and I'm like, testing color swatches and it's great you know what brings me joy i'm making something that's all i have to say (laughs) that's great Liv. and just you know i I think your (laughs) your dedication to um grandma as well makes you the grandma grandma how about that yes that's what that's her name from now on that's what we're calling her in the office absolutely not my name (laughs) that's how i'm introducing you mark i don't want to do podcasts with nick anymore (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. What about you, Nick? Is there anything bringing you joy at the moment? Okay, I can raise you. Uh, I've started Ooh, painting. Been, been doing some painting. Wow. Yeah. So there's a couple. If you if you kind of hang around online, uh, there's a. We used to go to Cork and Chroma quite a bit. I've been a couple of times. Um, and there's nothing for me that brings more joy than doing something that you're not good at and the combina- uh, combined with alcohol. Um, and then discovering that you may have some reasonable talent. Uh, so we just, over, like a couple of weeks back, I was at my partner's um, house and we did a at-home cork and chroma event and we tried to paint a Japanese uh, waterfall. And it actually turned out okay um, in terms of the actual painting itself. And so we're now uh, getting back into it 
again with a couple of other paintings uh, that are actually really entertaining, like really fun to do. So it's a great way to, you know, spend a couple of hours and at the end of it, you get a really nice painting that you, you might surprise yourself. You surprise yourself like, oh, this actually looks all right. I have talent. How cool is this? Awesome. Well, uh, I expect that we'll be seeing photos of these paintings uh, in our group chat later, Nick. <laughs> yes, I will. I think did I? I thought I sent one. I recalled I sent one, but uh, if I didn't, I will send it to you like in the next, like after we finish this podcast. <laughs> awesome. All right, and our uh, shout out to an Australian author. Who do we have today, Nick? Um, so yes, today's Australian shout out comes just after the announcement of the Vogel's Literary Award, which uh, is a prize for an unpublished manuscript written. Uh, by a writer under the age of 35. And uh, our shout out is for, I hope I pronounced her name correctly, uh, Catherine Krumick. Oh no. Krumick. Krumick, yes, Catherine Krumick for her book, A, uh, a Treacherous Country, um, which is the story of kind of a. Um, so it's a, a, a man named Gabrielle Fox um, who arrives uh, and begin, has a quest in, in Van Diemen's Land. Um, and it's got a whole bunch of twists and turns in it and is uh, a huge, uh, a really fascinating um, book and a really fascinating uh, analysis of kind of the nature of, of human beings and and, the, and what they do in extreme situations. So, yeah, and it's uh, it obviously picked uh, is getting a lot of attention because uh, it picked up the Literary Award Prize, um, the Vogel's Literary Award Prize. So, yeah, that's our that's our shout out. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Nick and Liv. Uh, we really appreciate your time. And uh, you can listen to all of our episodes for free on SoundCloud and iTunes. And it's not just the Daily Booktopian that you can find there. We also have lots of other uh, podcasts, including interviews uh, with some very uh, popular and well-known authors, uh, including Jess Hill, uh, who just won the Stella Prize for See What You Made Me Do. Uh, so we'll be back at the same time tomorrow with another episode of the Daily Booktopian. Until then, keep reading and please stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au